The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Angel Tarot Show with best-selling author and Angel Tarot expert, Radley Valentine. Plan your week ahead with gentle guidance from your angels, combined with the wisdom of Tarot, and create the magical life you deserve. Hey everybody, it is Radley here with the Angel Tarot Show. Welcome everybody on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast of spirituality floating out there in the ethers, helping people to get through every single day. And we also have our fans on YouTube. Hi, it's nice to see you. So we have a very special guest today. His name is Jim Bridgem. And so we're going to do the official bio first, and then we're going to talk the unofficial bio. And so the official bio is that Jim is an accomplished minister with extensive public sector leadership roles in the government and the military. And after college, Jim was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force. That same year, he received ordination as a minister. Throughout his military service, spanning multiple deployments and assignments, he balanced his full-time duties by concurrently leading services and Bible studies. Continuing this bivocational ministry, Jim earned the Master of Divinity and then served both the Air National Guard and Active Air Force, and currently he works as a human resources professional for the U.S. government. Jim's vision is to bring his professional and service life together in Avalon Chapel, set to launch in fall of 2023. Avalon Chapel will foster an in-person community deeply rooted in creation, spirituality, where the sacredness and interconnectedness of all creativity are joyfully celebrated at Avalon. We embrace and encourage a magical world. Beyond his professional commitments, Jim is dedicated to his family. He has been happily married to Becky Bridgem for 21 years, and they have four children, Joshua, favorite name of mine, Shiloh, Samantha, and a 10-month-old named Sage, who is so cute. The family also answers (laughs) to the benevolent rule of two Siberian Huskies, Luna and Nala, who are both two years old and run their lives. In <laughs> leisure time, Jim finds solace in weightlifting, teaches yoga, and reads. Now let's do the unofficial one. I sound way cooler in that. I really <laughs> do that I am. So in a nutshell, um, you know, most of my life has been military ministry. So I came out of school where I did a lot of ministry work, became a chaplain eventually after going to seminary, and did traditional ministry. And in that time is when I kind of became more leaning towards the metaphysical and seeing how there's a mystical aspect of faith that's really neglected by mainstream religion. It just is. And so I'm here today because I've been a fan of yours and been in a number, I've been a student of yours since I don't even know when. I think I took the first online class you did live and said like, this is so neat. Um, You got me through the pandemic. And uh, now I'm using all these skills together as a CAA, um, a certified and angelic advisor, which is great. I'm really honored to be in the first class there here in Denver. We really want to just give people an opportunity to find community and, and really love of spirit. So here's my unofficial bio. Are you ready? Yeah, please. Okay. So here's the scoop. So everyone's in a blue moon. Cause I have like lots of students. I have tens of thousands of students and every once in a blue moon though, there's one that just like sticks out 
there's one that really just makes you go, wow. And Jim came to a mastermind that I did in Palm Springs. And I asked him to speak about the the connection between uh, Christianity, religion, and spirituality, and metaphysics. And he literally had, he, he owned the room. He took the room and absolutely every single person in there was in the palm of his hand. And that was when I knew that it was like, I always thought he was a really great student, but then I was like, oh no, this is something different. This is something dif- different completely altogether. Because I think that a lot of people have tried to reconcile these mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin i'll go so far as to say but i have never ever in my life heard anybody do it as eloquently as compassionately as intellectually and yet also as spiritually as you did that was the minute that i was like this 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 dude's going someplace and i know that there are a lot of people out there on either side of the aisle who would really like to have these things reconciled. I think that's what you're doing. I think that's what you're doing with Avalon. But I think it's kind of like, from my perspective, it just seems like it's what you were built to do. Like you are such a fascinating, riveting mishmash of shaman and minister and military and compassionate civilian and all of these things all glommed together in a way that you just simply don't see every day. And so that's why I wanted you to be here, because I wanted people to hear you. And so why don't we just sort of start with, I mean, (laughs) Well, who, whose song is it, Born This Way? Well, I mean, were you just born this way? <laughs> I mean, Pretty much. I mean, I, and thank you for that. I appreciate it. I, that is overstated. Anyone who knows me, uh, you know, I'm definitely not that squared away is the right term, but I try. Uh, the, the, uh, the thing that's been funny is I, I was born in Salem, Massachusetts, which is known as um, the Witch City. It also still has a city witch that you can go to Salem's website and see. And uh, so it, it it was all in that environment of being surrounded by the metaphysical, seeing, you know, readers and so forth, seeing what I would call magic happening, different types and forms, then um, experiencing the Roman Catholic Church at that point and seeing both. Uh, and they were just kind of a normal part of everyday life. And what was interesting, and I started as a youth and see this today, is people who are in the church, attend the church, will say, oh, I don't look at astrology or tarot. It's wrong. But then they'll whisper to their friends and they'll say, oh, but I did check my astrology today. Oh, I did do a reading. Oh, I did do that. And then the folks in the reading side are like, oh yeah, the church is terrible. And frankly, I will tell you as someone who's been in it for a long time, it's pretty terrible. We beat everyone up, including ourselves. We joke about it all the time. uh, And I can explain kind of why that happens. So I understand and apologize for those who've had uh, experiences because I'm certainly not immune. Um, But on that side, people will attend church and they're like, they don't tell their metaphysical friends because they feel they might receive judgment Mm -hmm. for going to a church. So there's this weird place in the middle where we can find reconciliation of both. 
And my passion is to say, like, why not explore everything? Consider it investigative Christianity, if you will, um, because really what we're doing is looking at just the metaphysical part of the mystical part of Christianity that's been abandoned by the church. And, uh, and really both sides need this for a full experience of faith. So you just sort of like you started in the mystical side, but something yep. drew you to the Christian side. Yep. Did your parents raise you Christian in the city of, of spirit? I don't even know. What uh, they were. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I was raised Catholic and um, had an experience where I didn't know how to reconcile multiple faiths. So I took a class on all the world traditions and just didn't understand why I would need to be moral, which the Roman Catholic Church emphasizes. They have an emphasis on very much on sin, that we're born that way. Um, and I, I definitely want to come back to that. It's a key mm. point of this. But when I experienced these other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, et cetera, I said, well, why should you be moral? So I go to college and was certainly not moral uh, my first year. And then I realized that this was getting me nowhere. It's not satisfactory. And um, I kind of found more of an evangelical faith at that point. And oh. it helped me to kind of find a moral boundary. And the biggest question out of it and why I avoided the metaphysical for so long is how can you have a moral boundary in this place where everything goes? And realize, you realize over time that that's not the case at all. Like the more we align with spirit, the more we are not just moral, but uh, we're also have we experience fun, joy, beauty, like all kinds of things on that side. Whereas if you're just following the moral path, sometimes you avoid the beauty. You're like, oh, I don't want to look at that. You know, I, I need to stay here and be very stoic and unhappy. So the more unhappy I am, the more I experience God. And so trying to find that balance um, was why I kind of started to incorporate both in my life. So it gave yeah. you some sort of like solidity and you're taking classes, you're understanding all the different things, but it's like somewhere in there, it's like, okay, now the pendulum is swinging kind of like to the other side a little yeah. bit, if I haven't saying it right, that it's like, okay, shamanism, the metaphysics, yep. all of that kind of stuff. So how did that pendulum swing for you? Oh. So interesting. So uh, first of all, uh, in 2016, um, I had an experience where I just felt a deep betrayal in my life. It was a mm -hmm. close friend that just betrayed me in a way that I felt like someone had edited my life, that they came in and had changed what had occurred. And I mean, it was the first time in my life I had that deep cry. I don't know if you've ever had a deep cry where you're like, oh, I'm like, I didn't know I could cry like that. And what was funny is my faith couldn't address that betrayal. It just couldn't. Like it was out of the bounds of what I knew. And uh, it was in that time where I realized that um, I had a deep metaphysical experience with an angel in my living room. It wasn't long, but it was like a two second thing that was deep enough. I was like, what is going on? And I ended up finding you, uh, which is when I started kind of studying more about angels and so forth and then incorporating them. So like how the incorporation happened initially uh, was probably that. Um, what changed my theology, because I used to be like pretty, like on the far conservative side, like very far. And in doing military ministry, I started having people come into oh, my office. Yeah. Oh, and one thing that's interesting, and that first one caveat, I do speak at 20,000 words per minute with gusts to 50. Sometimes <laughs> too fast. I'm sorry. I did Toastmasters <laughs> for like nine years. I, 
you know, ironically, I co-hosted the Air Force's podcast on resilience for years. They're still out there and I never have slowed down. Like I've had people yell at me and I'm just the worst. So I apologize for talking so fast to everybody first. The second thing, um, going back, where was I going? Help me, Radley. I'm, I'm getting there. Sorry, I totally lost track. This oh, no, doing. no. So you you had oh. a betrayal and it didn't, and you, you yeah. and then you started finding angels, two seconds, one with Yeah, thank you. You're right on. Perfect. <laughs> see, see, this is where I told you, I'm not totally squared away. I might be being too, so it's good. Um, so in counseling, which is what chaplains do, and in the military context, if you go to a mental health provider or doctor, it's all reported. And so there are some, some, some chance and different career fields that you could lose your job. So if you go in for mental health counseling, you might have to be removed from your duty. Doesn't happen all the time, but there's a latent fear that people experience who might be special operators, intelligence or whatever, that if they go and say, I'm just not feeling good, that they could lose their job. Um, and so that fear exists. The chaplains address that as the primary counselors. We have no reportables, unlike mm. clergy who are outside that talk about can report anything, you know, certain things that are not privileged or, or quiet or confidential. We have nothing. They can tell us anything and we can't even acknowledge we met with them. That's the level of confidentiality a service member has. So in that, I started seeing people of different lifestyles, different faith traditions, different backgrounds. And my compassion grew because I, I have story after story of people who tried to um, implement uh, like evangelical conservative faith to their own pain. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll share one. I had a service, a service member come in. She was spectacular, amazing. Um, and she happened to be a lesbian. And she said that I, I just don't believe this is okay with God. Very committed person of faith and was going to a church that told her she needed to fast it out of her, that if she just kept fasting, that this would go away, meaning she had not eaten in an extended period of time. And she was doing like four days, five days a week. And she was emaciated. She still wore a uniform. I said, this is not okay like at all. And basically spending time showing how she can live an authentic life by loving and accepting herself, how God accepts her as who she is. Um, but seeing people who took these dr like draconian approaches to life, like you might think that sounds excessive, but I saw things like that regularly throughout the career um, or getting overly medicated to deal with issues that we would accept in normal society, but might not be accepted in that context. So anyway, the point was I developed compassion working with all those folks. Did they like train you for, okay, no, no. here comes the dude that's like, you know, got a, no. a, an out there belief, spiritual belief, and now you got to deal with that? Or is no, that just on the job? Not even for pretend. So the, the military context is pluralistic. So we're trained to accept all faith traditions to ensure their First Amendment rights. However, as far as counseling, like the average master of divinity has 97 credits over three years in residence, and then a two-year residency, one to two year after. In all of that, you get three total hours of counseling training in a best case scenario. You oh, might wow. get six. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, I was self-training. Like, how do I do this? You know, so all mm -hmm. these people are doing, you know, my psychologist friends or social workers, I'd be like, how do I do this in a pastoral counseling situation? So you learn um, through failure and you become really good over time. But uh, initially <laughs> you're like, I don't know. Uh, you know, even facial expressions. Imagine if someone comes right. in and they tell you, uh, you know, they're in a very complex relationship, which was happened early in my career. They're like, I'm like, what? How many people? And you're like, right. What? And you know, so the, the, oh my God, have, look, yeah, or I, can't, like, I can't, I'm trying I can't to count what's this. going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so those are that. So in those cases, you, you, you also realize that, you know, you have a lot to learn about human dynamics. 
So somewhere in there, all of this started to gel for you, I think, because yeah. I think that the, the pendulum started to come back to this like center place and the center place being that pendulum center place being a place that very few people, I think, live. So yeah. people's pendulum are swung over here to the left or they're swung over here to the right. And there's not a lot of people sitting at center, but somehow you found this place where you're like, this is okay. And this okay too. Yep. hundred percent. And uh, one of the things I see is there's, uh, if you ever need an answer to a question in school, um, you go to the table of contents. Um, and if you're doing a quiz, where do you go? The end of the back of the book, right? That's where the answers mm -hmm. are, at least in my growing up. And so I find that the two answers that explain kind of what's going on and why we maybe don't fully understand how uh, we we fit as metaphysical people and our faith tradition is first in Genesis. Um, in the beginning of Genesis, God creates everything. And a lot of people don't realize between verse one and verse two, there's a gap. It's called the gap theory. And uh, that there's millions of years of creation before, maybe billions, where God has created everything good. He's like, this is good. And something happens between verse one and verse two. And from my, I still believe this, that's where Lucifer fell. And you might say like, where's this going, Jim? I promise, don't worry, just nope, stay nope. with me. If you're listening, <laughs> everybody else is listening. Like, <laughs> stay with me. So in a verse, between that verse is where the fall, which is explained in other areas of scripture occurred. So in verse two, God recreates the earth. Now that fall, I believe affected earth. I don't believe it affected the global situation. So in it, everything's still good. Like all the creatures are good. The land is good. Everything's really good. And it, it's a blessing. God calls it that. It's a blessing. And Genesis 3, again, don't worry, I'll be quick. We won't spend all this time in the Bible. But Genesis 3 is where, where, Abraham, where, um, where you'll find Adam fell. He uh, basically, what I would call, turned over the title deed of planet Earth. Now, many people won't have heard that phrase, but if you look in Genesis at Revelation 5, it talks about this, this scroll. And of course, we watch scary movies by the end of time. They're always like, oh, the scroll, it's going to break. You know, they're breaking the seals. Mm -hmm. And instead, that scroll is written on inside and outside. And the only thing that could be written like that is a title deed. Um, and so in Hebrew culture, in the ancient Near East, if your house went into bankruptcy, you would write down the conditions of bankruptcy on the outside of the scroll. So you'd have seven years to meet the conditions. So let's say you didn't pay your payments or whatever, you could come back and own that scroll. So what does this mean? That according to the New Testament, where Paul talks about the God of this world, there's a darkness that settled over this blessed world. We're full of blessed creatures that are, are friends, blessed everything. But there's another controlling aspect in the air. It, why we're needed. And again, I'm doing, maybe I'm not doing justice to the full explanation. So please ask no, after. Okay. But why light workers are necessary, why we work in tandem. So people who are, who would, we would use the term um, blessed uh, or receive the Holy Spirit or, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people who are understanding that they're working with light and light workers is we're almost a, a bulwark in a, uh, or a, a landing party fighting like a battle in a way. But it's, it's not a bad battle. We're in a beautiful place. But there's an element of darkness that's trying to take away all of our joy. And that is the quote-unquote God of this world. And we have allies to fight them. The allies are the angels. They're here to help us. Now, we're not in a battle day to day. But there's this influence that's trying to take away joy, to make us depressed, to separate us from community. And in that, light workers have the ability to, no kidding, send light. And I've tested this, even at that mastermind we talked about. We had people who said, I went to Starbucks after and saw people having conflict. I won't say the person's name, although she's awesome. She said, and so I'm like, I tried it, Jim. So I'm like, I'm sending light to these people. And she visualized light. And she's a light worker. And she said, they, 
they stopped biting. What was going on? It's because in my opinion, it's nothing to be scared of at all. But it's this idea that we have the ability to share light and to, to help deconstruct problems around us. And it doesn't take long to turn on the TV or the news, which I don't recommend on any day, because you'll see that there's a proof of there's, there's an element of darkness in a very beautiful place causing challenges. And that's where what I would call like evil pups in. But the evil doesn't have as much influence as we thought. We're again, have allies, we have friends. And once we realize our power, it's not just light workers or people of faith, we have a huge ability to actually do, to impact our society by taking concerted action. So um, I'll stop here and see what I missed. I know I talked okay. a lot. No, 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 I've no, had no. the caffeine. Okay, so, but let's go back just, just to like, so that we like have a full circle for people. Sure. So we have this whole concept that, somehow the deed to earth, if I understand what you're saying, was handed over to Lucy Goosey Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so now Lucifer has the deed. So how long is the deed for, or we don't know. We don't know. And so Jesus will come back now in the midst of it. What's Jesus's role in this, right? And if you, people who might be against, you know, (laughs) I know people again, have had church experiences, please disconnect your experience with Jesus and your, in your church experience. That's a good advice for anyone listening. But when Jesus who, you know, loved us and died, his role was to basically deep teeth uh, or uh, to, I don't know the right term for it, but pulling up the teeth of Lucifer. So this Lucifer guy, he's, it looks dark. He's in charge. He has this title deed, which is authority. Um, I want to write that down because I'll come back to it in a second. But essentially, he's he doesn't have any teeth. So it looks really scary, but it can't do much. It can gum you. It can feel scary because he wants to inspire fear, whereas God wants joy and peace and love among the people. And I'm going to hit authority real quick and come back because that's something I skipped on. My brain's all over the place. This is what happens when you have a 10-month-old, everybody. Give me grace. So, uh, so um, what happens is based on uh, the way... Uh, Lucifer and his folks operate, it's on authority. And so they have certain authority to do certain things based on it. He has a, a, the right to, just like you'd have um, rights to do things to your property. If you own a house or a condo, you can paint the walls, you can do certain things, but an HOA will keep you from doing certain things. So God has an ability to keep, he's like, I mean, maybe equating God with an HOA will offend somebody, uh, but the thing is That's he has certain boundaries he says, <laughs> where, you know, he can't, he can't paint the house pink and in light of being de-gum or DT, he's just, again, like, like, uh, you know, gumming you. It can look scary. It looks like he can do a lot. And I've experienced, unfortunately, this situation in people multiple times in my career and since then, where people can are experiencing negative effects of, of that, what the icky gooey we've talked about before, um, folks. Um, however, when you take your authority as a light worker, which you have authority as a light worker, you have authority that you've been given by the angels, by God, to redirect your power to clear out that uh, darkness, you can clear out. Uh, Lucifer very quickly because his title deed doesn't expand to everything. It just has a certain amount of authority over the planet. He likes to make it look like he has authority over everything and everyone. It's just not true. So when we assert our authority as light workers, uh, we're able to again push back against his authority, just like the HOA would prevent you from planting extra trees or painting your house with you know bright red. 
so how how did Lucifer get the title? Or is that the gap? Great question. So <laughs> so Dan, so what happened is this is when um, Adam was given all the authority over the earth, and um, he totally bombed out, and we still have the repercussions of that atom bomb today. So at that time, he essentially ceded authority over the earth to Lucifer, is what uh, oh. many commentators believe. So in that Adam and Eve story is when he did. So that what's called the new Adam, which is Jesus, will come back to take it in the end of time. But has not taken it yet so that's why we're in this period of time where things like can be really beautiful and great and then sometimes there's some challenges darkness sicknesses illnesses that happen so if you're listening you're listening to the angel tarot show it's radley valentine and jim bridgham and we are talking about um, spirituality, Christianity, and the mishmash that comes in between those things. So let's just say for grins and giggles. Well, no, I'm just going to directly ask you. So it's like, I have a real, a real uh, conceptual challenge with fallen angels. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I, yeah, I know, you know, so the reason that I do that is because I, I feel like it, it puts God in a box. It limits God. That God is like, God can't even keep control of his angels. He can't like keep them from running amok, amok, amok. And that it like creates this situation where the divine is very limited and doesn't have the ability to hold that under control. And so for me, I look at the world and I go, well, we have uh, free will. And so it's not so much about angels running amok, amok, amok. It's us running amok, amok, amok. Mm -hmm. And God's just kind of like hanging out going, oh, aren't they cute? I hope they get their act together. And in the meantime, there's this wonderful planet over here named Paradine. I'm just going to go look at that. And so I I struggle with that whole concept. But does it even matter? Because metaphorically speak, can we look at this as a metaphor and go, okay, well, whether the title was handled handed over to uh, an angel named Lucifer or whether it's just our free will, is the story the same? Or what are your thoughts? Great question. And so um, Joseph Campbell was a mythologist in the 1980s. And yep. he came up with this idea of the hero's journey. And, and yes. I actually think the reason the 17 steps of the hero's journey, and I'm going to answer your question very directly in an indirect way, like I normally do, which is how I roll, right? But what you'll, what you'll find is it resonates with all of us. It's why we love Star Wars, why any show that uses this in the arc, Lord of the Rings, I'd argue you can find it in Star Trek. Um, if you haven't seen Discovery, you should. Anybody's listening, I know we've talked about it. It's great. I and Strange it, at least. New Worlds. Oh, Strange New Worlds is awesome, too. Oh, my God. Um, so I, 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 I would, okay. And, uh, but anyway, back, back, back to this <laughs> is that it resonates with us. Like we know that there's there's a story. We're like, oh my gosh! Like I was born to do something great. I believe this that the reason God allowed that to happen wasn't that He was like, oh no, it happened. It wasn't the plan. Like I think He's He knows this is going to allow for my kids on Earth to be able to grow. Like there's going to be challenges and difficulties. Maybe it's dealing with the unhoused or dealing with people who are experiencing some kind of illness. It gives light workers the opportunity to grow, and we don't grow without challenge. So when I think of it, it's almost like setting up an obstacle course. If you've ever done like a tough mutter or um, gosh, the uh, gladiator one, I forget the name. I should remember oh, the Spartan races. 
um, a Spartan race, uh, they, those obstacles were put there with intention. Like they take time, sometimes sometimes 24 hours. God bless those people um, going through mud to do it. And uh, what you'll find is it makes you stronger when you know you've overcome things. So I think the reason is here isn't because God didn't have the authority or know what was going to happen, but he did it to make us stronger, to allow us to find those heroes journeys where we have to face some kind of obstacle or challenge and emerge stronger. Uh, one of my favorite illustrations for this, because uh, unfortunately our family has a, has a lot of folks who've suffered with breast cancer. And uh, what's funny is if you ever met a breast cancer survivor, you'd never wish this on anyone, the whole thing, what they went through, but they are the strongest person you'll ever meet in your life. You're just like, oh my gosh, like they will walk in a room and be like, I am here because I can accomplish anything. Like you're right. And so that is a huge challenge obstacle. Like I'm, I'm not even doing justice to defining it, but now they've become stronger. So I think the purpose of them being here and allowing this title deed isn't that he could come back and get it now, but to allow us to grow to, to know our own power. Okay. So does that mean that God and Lucifer are in cahoots? I think God's in control of everything. And I don't think Lucifer would agree with that at all. Uh, oh. <laughs> so that, yeah. I think he thinks he's still got this. That's what I think. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So even if it's like, we don't do the whole angel thing, we can, or the whole Lucifer thing, we can still look at this whole thing and go, earth is a, a battlefield. It's like, now I'm now. <laughs> And maybe not a battlefield, but you could even say like a, um, an obstacle course. So that, obstacle that's like course, that's better. Right. For people. You're yeah. right. That's better. You're right. It's an obstacle course. So do we believe in other planets with people? I absolutely do. Of course you do. So, so here, let me throw something in there. Yeah. So if you look that gap, um, so the gap one, 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 two, in theory, if it happened, again, some people disagree with it, the fall affected our planet. But we don't know that gap. That could have been billions, trillions of years. Mm -hmm. And, and I th actually think this is timely if you're seeing what's going on with the, in the Senate and the House, even the last week, uh, looking at un un unidentified flying objects, which has been incredible testimony and in an incredible statement that was joint statement yesterday um, about, about what's going on from the Senate. And, and why I bring it up is, in theory, you could have other planets, other solar systems that have been going on forever. And we're like the babies, I mean, in comparison, because it doesn't seem to have come, have affected that. And so my theory is they've been developing much longer, hence all these videos that have come out in, in the Senate and the House were, are just incredible. They might be visiting us, um, and again, a very advanced civilization. So I do believe that uh, there are other planets. And just so you know, I'm not crazy, C.S. Lewis, who's a famous author, mm -hmm. um, wrote the Narnia, he wrote a series, he wrote a three-part uh, space series called the privileged play oh it's incredible they're great books i do think star trek might have ripped it off a little bit but that's a different story oh. i don't want to get myself fired <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's it's a great book so there's a lot of folks think believe that uh there there are other planets for sure okay so but other planets un, unaffected by this whole little game that we're playing on planet earth i okay. agree i believe um, but do other planets have angels i think so so i think angels can be everywhere uh, okay. if you think of um you know, Jacob, who experienced angels on a ladder going mm -hmm. up and down. If you remember that story, I think uh, angels are always among us and, and can look like anything, anyone. Um, I believe they can more often than not. Uh, even Hebrews, which is a New Testament book, said, you never know. Be careful when you meet a stranger. You might be entertaining angels. angels. And, yeah. and I believe it. And so I would not be shocked if we find out that they've been doing this the whole time, bouncing around planets. And I, I don't believe they're affected with travel in the same way we are. Um, so I think they could instantaneously like beam there uh, without limitations all right so what about somebody that is like trying to go okay 
I go to church, but I don't want my metaphysical people to know. And I don't want my Christian friends to know that I'm taking Radley's CAA class because I see this all the time. You know, yeah, I, I do constantly see it all the time where people are like, I want to like do readings for people. I want to help people in that particular way, uh, but I don't want my family to know. And so I'm going to make my profile picture a mandala and I'm going to say that my name is Rainbow Grace and I'm going to try <laughs> to hide from, uh, you know, these people. So how does someone live a life that reconciles these two? Cool. So I'll talk externally and then internally. So we write that internally because I don't forget because there's two parts to this. One, people can actually feel like almost guilt-ridden by doing it on either side of the fence. So one, I'd find points of contact. If you're in a church that recognizes angels and talks about them, you might not talk about angel tarot, but you could talk about angels. Be like, oh, well, you know, I was talking, I, I interacted. I believe that I've heard from Ariel or, or Uriel or whatever. And see if you can find those points of connection. And that's that's one of the best ways to do it. Because they may never be into tarot. They won't understand it. I know people who are atheists that if you tell them you do tarot, they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's evil. Like, what are you talking about? But I think finding the points of connection internally, and then I'll, I'll come back to that too. I'm going to bounce to both. Internally, it's looking at history. The mystical aspect of faith has largely been lost in the West. It's still present in the East. Um, but when you look at the West, there's a huge tradition of mystics who um, Eckhart comes to mind, uh, Julian of, of Norwich, is it? I can't I'm losing last name right now. Uh, but when you look at all these folks uh, in history that have these amazing testimonies, uh, oh my gosh, I'm Teresa Villa is another. Teresa Villa was a nun and uh, one of the first female published uh, authors, at least in the modern age. She uh, published a book as a nun about these seven mansions that people would go through. She never traveled to the East, had no knowledge, and that you would get to know Jesus better as you progress through the seven. When you match those seven up with the chakras, it's crazy. Like it's worth, after this, go look it up, you'll you'll see. But why, why am I bringing it up? Is those points of connection help you externally of saying you might not be able to say chakras, but you could go and say like, oh, I read Teresa and I feel like I'm connecting with this mansion. You're just speaking a different language. But internally, again, that meta, the mystical review, and then origins, like uh, the tarot has is very interesting. Like we've talked about, it comes from Tarocci, likely Italian, but there's some interesting history. And at some point I'd love to go into where I think explains why it, it's viewed so negatively today. And I think once you understand it, if you have any guilt about doing tarot while you're in, in, faith, in the faith community, I, that'll evaporate very quickly. And on the other side, um, if you're in that metaphysical piece and going to church, finding points there that you can tell your folks about like community, sharing the table together, having a common meal. That's really the point of like Eucharist and, and things. So we're saying, finding those points of connection using language that each side uses. Um, I, am I making enough sense? I hope I am. You are. You are. Okay. You're basically saying that. Uh, I, I can't help it. I'm making an analogy to Gaydom because just for me, because it's like coming out of the closet is the way mm -hmm. to foster communication. Because when people understand that they that they know and love a gay person, then maybe there's a person, then maybe there's a way for them to like open their eyes a little bit. So mm -hmm. perhaps if they 
figure out that they love a um, a, a new age person because <laughs> the mm-hmm. new age person came out, maybe that that can foster some sort of understanding. But I also have experience with my students where it's like the opposite happens, where they become ostracized because I feel like the one of the primary differences, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, primary differences between the religious communities, not just Christianity, but the religious communities and the New Age community is the New Age community is a little bit like you said, uh, anything goes. And the religious community is very set in its ways. It wants to say, no, it must be this way. And it yep. must be this way. You're Muslim, it must be this way. You're Judaic, it must be this way. You're Christian, it must be this way. And this whole belief system that is ingrained in all of those, even though they're related to one another, but is that if this sense of we have to save people. And if you're not on the right side of this curtain, then you are doomed and you are lost forever. When in reality, we're just talking about one language that metaphorically speaks Japanese, a language, another one that speaks German and another one that speaks French. And if they just had a decent translator, maybe we wouldn't have this problem. I mean, I mean that frankly, like you hit the nail on the head uh, with everything. It's just we're using different language for the same thing. The problem is people get really like they get so defensive talking. About, I just did a, a wedding a couple of weeks ago here. And at the wedding, a person came up to me and they're from a, a mainline faith tradition. I'm in another one uh, right now, at least. And uh, maybe after this video goes live, I won't be. But who knows? Uh, um. But well, it's funny. I'm joking, but it's. In, but I, I'm aware, and no, I'm making the leap, so it's okay. And they were just so defensive about so many things, and I said, "You know, how are you?" Like I was trying to look at his heart because rather than get defensive about the way he viewed me and how I approach things, it's like I know that when people are, are lashing out at us, they're experiencing pain um, of some kind. I just believe that with all my heart. And uh, so I'm trying to view again, view it with compassion. And when we talk to folks on either side of the fence, having compassion for where they're coming from, like maybe they're in that religious system where this must be true. And like, you have to just have compassion. There's a reason for that. And so rather than to convince them, just love them, take care of them. And I found people have changed over time and come to both sides and come to a middle ground gosh, there's actually a book, uh, which is related to Avalon uh, Chapel. It's called uh, The Mists of Avalon. And uh, the author was very, very metaphysical. And at the end of her life, became an Episcopalian and was totally good, but still owned her metaphysical stuff. Like over time, I think we come to a, a central area where we we take both of these together and find a mix in our own life where it applies. Uh, but one final note is like the reason I have out this whole chapel thing we're starting is because there's a lot of metaphysical people there that feel like they're on the island of misfit toys. Mm-hmm. They don't fit, but they want community. And the goal of this is to find a place where we can love each other and help each other grow. And I think we need more like this. So I'm not trying to patent this or trademark it. I think the goal is to do a proof of concept. So if if they have, let's say you do have a group of friends, you want that community, you can't fit in the church. It's like find a way to start something where you can still gather together because the importance of coming together in person, I can't overstate. In fact, one more point on that, the Surgeon General of the U.S. released a report this year on social disconnection. That's isolation, not being together, loneliness. And uh, I can't say if you really want to make make some money in this world, like, sure, uh, I know we have the business class right now and so forth. But it's like in-person community is is not just something where you can make money, which is not why I'm doing it. I assure you, I didn't get into ministry for the fame and the fortune uh, because that was not it. 
but wherever you are, finding ways to help and connect with people can go a long way. Yeah. So I'm going to do a sidebar on that just for a second and just say that it's planet Earth. I mean, we can make a small uh, effect that we can hope is like ripples in a pond and that it will it will go out. And or if if we feel called to it, we can make a much bigger impact. uh, What's the word I want? Not simultaneously, but immediately by playing the game that is planet earth. And that means quote unquote being famous or quote unquote of that, all of the stuff that kind of goes with that. So I kind of have had to like sort of step into the place of it's like, do you want to make an impact Riley? Well, yes, I do. Do you want to live to see the impact and not to be an impact that happens after you're 84 years dead? Well, yeah, I kind of do. So I think it's okay to be like in a space of, I want to be famous as long as the, as long as the person is emotionally aware of their reasoning for it. If it's just an ego thing, I don't think that's going to go well. If it I is, agree. I want to, I want to save the world thing, then that's different. I, I think that, I think that part of too, about what you're talking about that matters so much is that even when we look at the the, the new age community, spirituality, yep. whatever we want to, whatever name we want to throw on that blanket, it's that we I count myself in that. We have a tendency to go, okay, well, that's cool. That's what you believe. That's fine. But there is still a judgment in it. There is mm-hmm. still, you know, we, we, we're human beings yep. and we're almost hard, hardwired to judge. Yes. So we can look at religion and go, religion is so judgy, judgy. And it is, but we, but we also have to be awake to ourselves and, you know, it's like sometimes I'll listen to my husband, Lee, and he, you know, I, I met this man 15 and a half years ago. He was absolutely not just apolitical. He was anti-political. Don't even talk mm-hmm. to him about it. He doesn't want to hear it. And probably the same about religious beliefs and all that stuff. And now I'm like listening to him in a conversation and he's like, Rawr! and I'm like, oh crap, I created that. You know? <laughs> and, and I didn't mean to. And as I get older, I'm kind of like, ah, you know, it's like, let's not judge that other path. It's, I, I can say this, I'm Native American. I can say, unless you've walked a mile in their moccasins. It's like, you don't know what it's really like. But I also think too, that maybe in some of that pain, and this is where I was actually going, this pain that you're talking about for people who are lashing out, I wonder sometimes as if people that are ingrained in religions that are unyielding feel like they are having to live a life of suffering. And so we should too. And honestly, that so the suffering piece, uh, we're gonna I'll hit both. So one, I believe there's an inverse relationship between your relationship with God and judgment. So I can tell how close you are to God by our judgment. So if your judgment's high, you are super far away from God. And that's convicting to me for times when I'm driving in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> my judgment gets really high, and I'm like, oh Lord, be here, you know. because uh, I'm not always praying for other drivers, although I should be uh, for sure. Um, but you'll find when people have limited judgment, and I'll say judgment is judgment to condemnation. To me, there's two types of judgment, judgment to identification. You know, like if a, um, a really angry dog is running to me and like boiled, bubbling at the face, I'd be like, this is not okay. Like, you know, right, whereas yeah. if it's my husky, I'm like, oh, great. They want a treat. 
uh, which they always want to treat. So <laughs> it's, it's my way of judgment. So judging to condemnation is not wrong. And it's a way to check yourself. Again, check me. I've checked my, myself for sure. And uh, then I think when we see the church, the thing, my explanation of it is like going to a hospital. You know, when you go to a hospital, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many sick people uh, because they're there to get well. And, and I think sometimes the church, I, I have to especially, and I'm talking about every church in this, not just right. a specific yeah, denomination, but like, or every faith group really. I know people are there to get well. And just like I wouldn't be shocked to see someone with a broken arm or yelling in a hospital, seeing someone who lashes out doesn't surprise me. Uh, early on, it did. Like, I mean, we've had embezzlement um for us people stole all of our life savings at one point in the church early on they told us it was an act of faith to give money we did like i've seen so many terrible things happen that's not an indictment against the church it's just realizing like you know you have to be careful anywhere you are first of all but the second thing is that you know the church is full of people trying to get well so they're going to make a lot of mistakes and so again this is compassion and the final thing is from jesus you know he said make sure you, you deal with the log in your own eye before the speck in the other and we tend to identify issues in others that we're experiencing. I do I do this. I'll tell you that for sure. Where I'm like, oh my gosh, that person talks way too fast. I'm like, I'm talking way too fast. Like <laughs> issue it is. So it's like to again have compassion for others and ourselves. Like we're all, I mean, we're all doing our best on this this planet, on spaceship Earth. And uh, like in the midst of it, um, give yourself some compassion and some love in the midst of all of this and those around you. I'm glad you brought up big j because i that's a great way for us to like sort of like because we're getting out of time but sorry jesus why are you sorry i wish we had more time (laughs) i'm not done but jesus okay so i have i still have challenges okay Mm -hmm. so the whole i still i'm challenged by the bible i still Mm -hmm. look at the bible and go um interesting story I, I like Jesus, but I, I lump Jesus in with Kuan Yin and mm-hmm. any saint you want to list. And maybe he's the Michael Beckham of the group. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's the only sports person I know. Okay. <laughs> but maybe he's the Michael Beckham of the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, Buddha you throw, I, I put them all together in there. So I, I get challenged by the whole concept of putting Jesus in this place that's above other masters that people look at and go, oh, well, this is my master or that's my master. But it's, it's a little bit like being, well, I'm team Spider-Man, but I'm team Batman. Mm-hmm. It's like they're all in the Justice League, maybe. I don't even know if I did that right, but they're all you're good. Keep going. <laughs> it's like they're all in the same group, and yep. it's sort of like who you're called to. But do you think Jesus is more? I do think so, and, okay. and I think the reason being is I believe he was pure love. But when you look at his life, there's two ways to look at his life. So one, if you look through Paul, so Paul, an apostle, wrote most of the New Testament. Right. If you look at it. I do think he was still wrestling with certain things. Remember, he had converted from Judaism. He was on the Sanhedrin, meant he had two PhDs equivalent. Um, He was also likely married, uh, but that's a whole different story for a different day. To to be a rabbi in that day, you had to be be married. And uh, to be honest, you can extrapolate that. I won't do that in this call in our limited time, but uh, to be a rabbi, you had to. And so Paul had a very, had a different view. And so I recommend reading the gospels, like read the gospels and look at how he lived. 
And when you see somebody who lived with such love and sacrifice, like someone to give his life for other people, like I, you, I sense and see God in that so much. And I think his whole point of coming here was to show us um, not just a way to, to, um, to God, but also like just how to live with love. I mean, look at how he treated little kids, how he treated women. Like at this, some people still will look and rebel back. But at this point, women were not treated as equals at all. And he treated them not just as equals, but sometimes above equals. If you ask Megan Watterson, um, for, uh, who's a oh, spectacular yeah. theologian. In fact, she just had a deck come out today on uh, Mary oh, did she? last night. Yeah, it's a spectacular. Oh, highly oh. recommend it. Um, she was a big influence. Not directly. She, we've never met, but she was a big influence. On She's super point. cool. You would love She's her. Brilliant. She's brilliant. She is brilliant. So yeah. anyway, but when you look at and look at this, like Jesus elevated the status of women and everywhere this faith's gone, it, it's done that. It might not feel like that sometimes, but it's really free and I think Jesus came to free everyone to live this life in alignment with him, loving others, those around us with compassion. And I think it got kind of, it has been distorted. Uh, that's a whole different podcast over time. So in short, yes. And, and I think when you, again, if you have a view of him, read what he's saying um, and just see how he or how he answers certain situations. And you hear laughter. I mean, his first miracle was turning water to wine at a wedding, like for a party. Like th this guy isn't somebody that's going around like judging people. Like, and, and his mom told him to do it. It's like, and she's like, just do it. Listen to him. You know, like you have to think like this is this Aww. is not a culture where we're like he wasn't walking around like this at the wedding. You have to think he was there for days, probably dancing, having fun. You know, like these these are this is a real life that lived and with such love and compassion. And uh, so for me, that that's what I see in the life of Jesus. Okay, so we're almost out of time. Oh, so sorry. No, will you stop it? Stop I know. I had so much too. Like, oh, no, there's uh, so much. So first of all, will you come back? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay, okay cool. Um, second of all, tell people where they can find you. Okay, so the website's terrible right now. I built it, so you see what you get, right? But it's called <laughs> slaydragons.org, slaydragons.org. And the point of it um, with Avalon Chapel is to slay those internal dragons that are bringing you down and to bring you back in the community to a place of love. And you can always email me there. I'm not great on the socials because I'm getting older, but uh, jim at slaydragons.org. And I will reply to any email I get. Um, so I, that's what I got. Is that also a reference to Michael? It, uh, yes, actually. And also St. George, both of them who did some cool work. But again, we're out of time. So. Okay. All right. Groovy, groovy. Okay. All right, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank guys. You. So I've got so much stuff coming up, um, including a class on angel numbers that I'm very excited to be offering. I've not taught this before. And so it is finally my chance to like throw that spin out there. So you can find out all about that by going to radleyvalentine.com and you'll be able to click on events and see the things that are coming up. So check that out. In the meantime, you've been listening to the Angel Tarot Show on MindBuddy.com. Spirit.fm, unless, of course, you've been watching it on YouTube. So give a listen, give your eyes. So good to see you guys, and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to the Angel Tarot Show with Radley Valentine. To discover more, visit RadleyValentine.com slash podcast.